Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today I'm joined with Olga Kindler. Olga is an award-winning executive coach, a rapid transformational therapist, and a lecturer in leadership and change management. How are you today, Olga? Hi, Mark. Great being here. How are you? I'm wonderful. You know, and uh, we were obviously having a little chat uh, before we dived into uh, the interview today. And amazing that this is going to be your first podcast ever oh it definitely is and I'm so delighted it's going to be with you (laughs) oh well I actually felt the honor was mine as well because I thought how wonderful I can't remember the last time I was like the first to have an experience with somebody who'd never done a podcast before so let's hope it's a real pleasant one I'm sure it will be beautiful so I'm going to dive straight in with our conversation today Olga Why do you feel you've had such a personal need for continual change, transformation and growth in your own life? Oh, that's a great question, actually. Look, um, well, you know, I started my career quite early on. So at the age of 19, I had my first job at the European Parliament. At the age of 26, I, you know, ended up having this leadership role running a team of people out of London representing 12 countries. And somehow, you know, that's quite an early age for these sorts of obligations and responsibilities. And so I always, you know, felt this need to grow. And I always kind of felt, you know, I'm I'm way ahead of my time. And I just was in need to learn and transform and to, you know, kind of confirm to myself that what I'm doing is actually the right thing I'm doing, that I'm making the right decisions, that I'm able to manage myself and the people around me in the right way. And, you know, how do you get the confirmation for that? So, you know, I went on to have my MBAs, I was reading books, I was just looking for additional knowledge. But what I really realized is that what I really need is to work on myself, to feel confident, to, to have a certain dose of a healthy self-esteem, to have you know, the ability to recognize why I behave in a certain way in different situations and to be able to manage all these emotions and um, basically behavioral patterns that I was attached to in the right way in order to achieve the desired um, outcomes. And that's something that I actually back in the days could not find anywhere. And that's the need I always felt. And I just, you know, went on on a a, a journey of self-exploration by, you know, using all different sorts of online platforms, which were quite scarce back then, coaching programs. And um, so later on in my career, which is 20 years today, um, Um, I just came up with my own programs and I just really felt the need for it back then. And I even see a more increased need for it these days, especially after the pandemic where people have actually started to, you know, become more introspective 
Mm. And so that's that's how I basically came up with with the latest addition to it, which is more related to empathic empathetic leadership. Mm. I love that. There's a lot in there that we have a lot of crossover, uh, Olga, and it's interesting uh, to me um, based on on what you shared there. You know, you know, you dived in in a young age. I think you said you were 19. Um, you realized that you were in a, an environment where you kind of needed to you know, raise your, raise your own game and, and noticing there was certain maybe limitations on you. And you went on this journey of saying, okay, I need to develop myself. Uh, I need to work on myself. I need to manage my emotions. I, I love, I love behavioral patterns. I think we could probably do a whole podcast on, on that. You know, what, what, what kept you so hungry? You know, was it just the fact that cause you were around people that were maybe ahead of the game? Do you find like the environment that you were in was conducive and motivating, making you want to kind of rise to that level? So, you know, I experienced all different sorts of leadership because, you know, me being a leader, I also had a leader, right? I had to look up to. And um, I was very lucky at the beginning to have had a very good leader that I actually learned from, um, somebody who mentored me and believed in me and gave me those opportunities where, you know, I might not have believed in myself as much as they have back then. So I'm very grateful for that. And so that's where I learned from. And I took it as my own task to build other people and give them a chance to make them believe in themselves and to, to make them, you know, able to one day step into um, leadership roles. So that was one part that actually drove me. But the second one was the bad leadership that I experienced. I once had to leave a job I really loved a lot, where I found my purpose, where I was really committed to it, and I could see the change that I was contributing to. And um, I just decided to leave that place because it became a very toxic culture. And um, the leadership has not behaved in the way that could be acceptable for somebody who actually is giving that much. So I guess it was this lack of recognition, lack of self of belonging, very little um, um, autonomy and, uh, you know, this um, absence of building on, on one's strengths. Mm. So that's where I realized that's not where I need to stay or I can stay. But at the same time, I was really sorry to leave that because I could see the impact I was making. So I realized later on that there are so many people who are leaving jobs, their roles and, and are not able to pursue that, you know, mission and vision based approach they have within the companies because of that toxic and bad leadership. And I was really sorry for that, but it was a decision I had to make for myself. And that's where I actually made it my mission to change that sort of behavior coming from, from the leadership. And it, it was my mission to create a generation of leaders who are going to be very aware of themselves, very much aware of, um, you know, how much their own behavior or behavioral patterns and, and insights can affect other people's behaviors, well-beings, mental well-being even, and also, you know, business outcomes, um, team outcomes, um, team-related um, um, results. Mm. So I guess that's, you know, the two sides that I was influenced by. Mm. Yeah, we either get the results we want or learn the lessons that we need. Exactly. You know, it's very much kind of what really came out there. Now, I believe that the world on a whole is grieving at the moment, Olga. And, um, 
you know, there's been a lot of, you know, we've obviously all experienced pandemic and we're probably all sick of talking about it, but then we have to be, we have to be in touch with what humanity is feeling, you know, and, and I know one thing that we both share in common is, is the importance of resilience. So I did want to take just a moment just to ask you, how do we build resilience, especially when it comes to grief, the things that we've lost or the things that we, we once had and, and now don't. And that can look in all sorts of different shapes and sizes, whether it's a relationship or whether it's health or whatever it is. But how, how do we build resilience? Have you got a couple of like pointers uh, for us? Well, that's a very good question because actually the one research I was going through lately shows that grief actually um, introduces the same emotional reaction as a financial setback or a uh, failure, call it failure or lesson uh, in our business endeavors. So that's a very important emotion to deal with. And, you know, um, what I consider really important related to this question is one's ability to recognize and admit to oneself, you know, what is emotional state that I'm at? What are the things that I'm going through? And to also elaborate them and work on them and get rid of them. And what I have realized a lot of people have still those old beliefs that being vulnerable and showing vulnerability, showing emotions, um, showing a certain emotional state that may not be favorable to them, that, that, you know, that that's something they should not be doing because it may affect their status, it may affect the way they're seen, it may, you know, they, they probably may be seen as weak or um, unable to deal with certain stressful um, situations. And I think that's exactly where the problem lies, you know. Um, vulnerability it, it's a plus it's not a minus being vulnerable being able to express this vulnerability only means being self-aware having high levels of emotional intelligence because it also gives us the ability to to come around that you know to deal with this and that's how we build resilience you can't build resilience unless you actually unless one has understood that you know those are the emotions that they are having this is the way to deal with them and that there is no need to hide them and you know it's it's literally standing up to who we are what we are and and dealing with it so that's that's what i consider resilience and especially during the pandemic you know that that's what we have seen it's the more um emotional empathic leadership that is needed these days um so people feel free to actually express what they're dealing with mm -hmm. within yeah. corporations that's i'm relating more to to relating to to the organizational and um um corporate world yeah so if we if we want to if we want to build resilience it, it starts with our own ability to reflect to embrace the true the trueness of who, who we are to sit in our own vulnerability and acknowledge the emotions that we may feel uh, and then and then from that be able to 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 move forward once we've kind of accepted the reality of of the situation exactly yeah now i know that you believe that power is within us so if if our power is within us how do we tap into that power and how do we help it grow so you know understanding first of all the step number one is to understand 
that the power is within us. So how do we do that? Um, you know, understanding, again, I'm always referring back to our own emotional grit, understanding our emotional grit, understanding our behavioral patterns, our understanding why we react in certain situations the way we react, why we get triggered by something, why we actually, you know, react to certain things in a more relaxed way while we react to other things in a more, um, even, you know, sometimes um, um, way that might not be very beneficial for, for anybody around us, like a toxic way or a negative way, destructive way. So, you know, um, the power basically lies within us by recognizing those in nature subconscious patterns of behavior that can be changed so once we recognize them we can also change them and in order to do so you know one can't do this necessarily by only reading books or or watching youtube videos one really needs to work and to understand um where do these patterns come from and you know i know that most people do not like to discuss this at a later age but it's all related to how we have grown up what are the belief systems we have acquired um what are where where we grew up also who were we surrounded by and how you know did people around us behave and why and so that's where all these patterns come from so understanding all of that and changing that that is what you know um means you know unlocking one owns power to me lovely now we're talking about obviously vulnerability uh, bettering ourselves we're talking about behavioral patterns um olga what has been maybe a personal big challenge for you that you feel once held you back uh, and how how did you move forward with it can you share share a personal example? Look, there were certain like I would relate back to the story I already told you, which is I decided to leave work, which mm. I really really loved, and you know that was you know maybe ten years ago. But uh, what I'm still thinking about is, could I have dealt with that situation in a more resilient way? Was that an emotional decision? Was it an immature decision? Um, is really the management to blame or the toxic culture that I actually um, defined as such? You know, thinking back, if I have had the insights I have today, the tools and the ability and the insights into myself, like um, also um, now I have the ability to understand where my behavioral patterns came from and why I still those situations or define them in such a way but you know thinking back that's where I understood you know somebody else may have reacted in a different reacted in a different way back then so that's what I'm still questioning and I understand that that was the right decision but only now I understood it like in the last few years I, I got to really come to terms with this but also at the same time I made it my mission really to um, help people never ever make a decision if they don't have to, um, you know, uh, because they feel out of control, because they feel disrespected, because they feel like they don't belong. You know, sometimes we can work those things out and we can talk to people and we can set things straight. Now, that's one thing that, you know, I probably, that's where I've built some, some sort of resilience, insights, and it was a great lesson to me. But it's also one of the main reasons why I have come up with all these leadership and coaching programs, because I want to empower people to be able to step up, to deal with these situations, to build their emotional grid. But at the same time, 
It is definitely designed for the C-level executives, mid-managements, because they need that as well. It, it's not a one-way street. It's an interaction. It's a reaction that makes, <clears throat> sorry, apologize, that makes things work. Yeah. It's, it's <clears throat> interesting for me when I think of, you know, you talked about the toxic culture and whether it's the right decision. Yeah, and and we can relate this to being in a relationship as well as, you know, being in an environment within work. Um, interestingly, that even, even at a younger age, you were able to decide, actually, this environment isn't good for me. I love this job. You know, I love certain aspects of it, but actually the, the environment, the atmosphere that I'm in is, is far greater than which I'm willing to suffer. Why, why do you feel that some people don't leave that relationship or that job uh, and, and why you did? Do you feel like that's a value-based thing because you know what's best for you or, or is it something else? Well, look, I think there are different views on that, but let me take one that I actually, you know, that, that's aligned with me. I just think that it's also, again, I'm referring back to our behavioral patterns and the belief systems. And that, again, is run by an emotion. In most cases, people are run by fear, fear of losing out, fear of um, failure, fear of missing out, fear of, you know, existential fears, basically. So I had no fear because I really um, was led by my heart. And, um, you know, that's one aspect that I think is really important to elaborate as well is what are your values? What is your vision? What is your mission? What is your heart's desire? And I was never really led by the material rewards alone. I was also led by the impact that I'm making through my work and also the way I feel at work. So those are the aspects that come into place. This trilogy, I would call it, um, that you know contributed to to my decision making. Um, but I think that you know most people are led by fear, and most people are not aware of what they are led by, and that's something everybody needs to elaborate for themselves, and then and then only make decisions. Anything else, I would call very very rushed, and you know rational decisions are also run by emotions. It's just that people are not aware of it. They consider it, you know, based on numbers, based on factors, on certain, you know, KPIs, on certain um, financial indicators, but that's not the case, you know. Um, you can't only base your decision on that. So I think it's the self-reflection that, that is very much needed in order to come up with um, a, a right answer. Mm. Great question you asked there, which I think uh, I've wrote down because I'm going to chew on that one. And I think we should all chew on it, which is um, what are you led by? You know, I, I think that's a great, that's a great soul searching question, you know, because we're all led by something and knowing what is leading us, I think can help uh, probably unravel some of the, the mystery or maybe some of their own frustration we have with ourselves. Uh, so I love that one. So thank you for, for that. Now, like me, you love leadership. Um, I would love to know what is the difference in culture like between leadership in the corporate and the entrepreneurial space? Because, you know, for me, I, I've been working in the entrepreneurial space for the last 10 years uh, and I haven't been in the corporate game so much. Uh, so I'd love to know, do you see some differences? And, and if so, what are they? 
Well, look, in the entrepreneurial world, it's like ride or die. Like you are constantly exposed to situations that where you literally need to 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 pivot and you need to manage and you need to, um, you know, you're facing a lot of surprises. Um, you know, um, entrepreneurial culture is a very open-minded one, very driven by the emotion, by the desire to succeed. If we are talking about entrepreneurs as such, because they are the ones that are setting the tone to the enterprise. And, you know, most of um, entrepreneurs, they are visionaries. They are people who are led by something that they have come up which is an idea and that's again you know um, they're driven by an emotion in my opinion way more than you know people in the corporate world and I think you know those visionaries entrepreneurs who are driven by an emotion they also get exposed to this emotional roller coaster that like eventually you end up it, it, it's an emotional journey you know you want something to succeed you, you to your idea you want to push it through you live for it so of course you're going to give anything you can in order for it to succeed. But then again, it's really important to understand how to come around situations that look like you're hitting a wall. And that's where, you know, this, um, what I actually I mentioned before, you need to know your why. You need to follow your heart's desire because that's where you will get to, you know, some additional energy to come through situations where you think you can't. This is going to drive you. This is going to give you the the, the, the energy that you need, you know? So that's, that's the big, difference to me entrepreneurship is way more emotional it's way more driven by one individual's heart's desire idea vision mission i think the person is way more involved into the entrepreneurial venture than in the corporate venture and that again reflects on the entire team as well which again we are talking about some cultures here but still that's that's the big difference to me yeah, and what is the what is the leadership like culture like at the moment in the corporate space? Look, I think the corporate space, I think it's called the Great Awakening. That's how I call it. I think the more rigid environments, corporate environments, have find there are a lot of them still out there. They have finally understood the need for a personal transformation, especially on the top level, for um, a certain um different, more human approach to leadership. So it's not only about hitting the numbers, um, focusing on, you know, achieving your business goal strategy setups and so on and so forth. It's more about the people, very qualified, very well skilled lawyer employees are leaving companies because especially during the pandemic, they have seen that there are other ways of, um, you know, coming up with ideas, you know, different ways models of of personal and professional life that works for that work for them so they're not dependent on the corporate structure anymore so you know unless there is this sense of belonging autonomy and and creativity um there i don't think that you know companies as such can sustain these people or or or, or you know um provide an environment that is productive for, for, for people. So I think that's the big awakening that where the more personal aspect of leadership comes into game rather than only the results based and focused one. And um, I think this is just the beginning. I think we will see a huge transformation in the future and an increased need for all different sorts of you know leadership skills programs, um, emotional intelligence related programs, um, um, and, you know, programs that are personalized rather than generalized. Mm. 
Well, it's fascinating to to hear your your view on on the differences, and and I, I the reason I wanted to ask that is just because of the fact that you seem to slant and work more in the in the corporate at this point. And I'm always fascinated by what does the culture really look like? Is there is there a change? And you're talking about how you believe the landscape of a emotional intelligence is changing within the marketplace environment. Uh, I think because it has to, because it it's it's required of the current needs of of people, because it's people at the end of the day that are that are in these corporate environments. The corporate environments, business is equals people. Okay, we are seeing a huge quality industrial revolution number four but uh, and automatization and technologies are coming into play increasingly but still it's the people you need you need people and unless it's it's people's business right so unless you focus on people and it's emotional intelligence that counts as well um you know it, it's people's business basically and that's something that can't be neglected as a matter of fact it's something that's on the priority list of, of most of the companies. And um, what I also wanted to mention here is something really interesting I have come across lately. It's a lot of companies that are not necessarily building up their business. So where their businesses are not necessarily technology-based only. They do not even look that much any longer into technical skills because those skills are the ones that somebody can easily learn and acquire but they are more looking into personal skills, into interpersonal skills, into relationship management skills, and also into emotional intelligence. So most of the tests would actually relate to that rather than the technical skills, which I found really, really interesting. And that's not only in the really advanced corporate world, it's also in countries where, you know, they, that haven't reached that level of sophistication yet. So, you know, that, that that was a big, big step forward, I think, into, you know, uh, putting, shedding more light on, on, on the personal human-based approach in leadership and organizational cultures. Mm. Thank you for that insight. It's fascinating. One of your mantras, Olga, is um, do less, be more. So uh, how can we do less but, but be more in our, in our everyday Okay, so do less, be more sounds like, you know, work less and earn more. That's not what it means. So, um, you know, it, it actually comes down to, to the leadership um, aspect of my program. So basically what I am saying, you can't only do certain things, you have to be it. So you can't do leadership, you have to be a leader. And in order to be something, you need to incorporate it, you need to feel it. And I'm emphasizing the word feeling again, feel it and understand, you know, understand how people react, how people act, human nature, how the brain functions. You know, if you look back into, you know, our basic education, um, high schools, colleges, universities, even business schools, if you go back to all these, to the business academia, nobody really explains that nobody teaches us this, right? Only today we have certain schools introducing mindfulness courses, yoga, meditation, and so how is a leader supposed or anybody supposed to understand human behavior? How are they supposed to understand themselves when we have never been taught this? So in my opinion, you know, that's where, where, the, the, um, 
where basically the mistake is. And I wouldn't call it a mistake, but it's it's actually, you know, lack of understanding of who we are as human beings, people, how our brains function. And so in order to be that, we need to understand that. So, you know, talking about my own personal programs that I have come up uh, with, that's what I offer in them. It's like also an educational aspect to, to, to whole human brain involvement and our brain is the most um, mystical organ we have, the most unresearched organ we have. And there are new findings in neuroscience, especially related to leadership. And this is something that I, I think is also the future of leadership, being able to understand why we do certain things, how to change them, how to impact other people and how to really be that rather than only do. Mm. Mm. Very, very true. And, and this word pattern has come out through the whole um, the whole session that we've been speaking about. So I'm going to have to ask you a, a little uh, something on that because I feel like it's really poignant and, and I think you've got a lot of wisdom here. How, how do we free ourselves from the unwanted distracting patterns in our personal and professional life that, that you talk about? How, how do we actually free ourselves from those? So look, there are a lot of different methods out there these days. And luckily there are, I basically use one where I'm really happy. I had had the opportunity to study with, with one of the best um, um, therapists in the world, Marissa Peer. So I use for these sort of, um, you know, topics or issues, I use the rapid transformational therapy. Um, and I'm also a certified rapid transformational therapist. I think that's one of the most effective methods I have ever come across because literally within a few sessions, one to three, one can get rid of any unwanted um, patterns, behaviors, um, belief systems, and also emotions. So it's kind of a you know, um, fast track, basically, to to getting rid of those unwanted behaviors. And then outside of that, because obviously, you know, for people to to benefit from from that, they have to actually do the therapy. Could you maybe share one thing that people can do that can help shift? You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, sitting with self and uh, self-awareness you know, and really tapping into what we're feeling and what's leading us, would there, would there be one other thing that you can maybe share? So look, I think being honest with oneself, very few people actually understand, um, you know, the power we have within us to change certain things, outcomes. So, you know, um, I think sitting down, writing down, what are the situations that I experienced today or this month? that I wasn't happy with? What are the things that made me feel angry? What are the things that made me feel powerless? What are the things that, you know, um, made me feel down? Um, and whose behavior made me feel down? What would I have, could have done differently possibly to change that outcome, to change that reaction on my own behavior? So literally like um, an introspective um, view of, the outcomes and the situations and to literally write down the emotions we've been through and then also you know switch them over to the positive emotions that we wanted to have and what 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 is the gap between the negative emotion and the positive the negative event and the positive one and what is within that gap that can be done or changed in order to improve the outcomes the moods and the emotions 
And that's the solution usually is within that gap. It's the same, like, you know, when people feel anxious at work, you know, everybody has been through anxiety, especially the higher up you go, the more those things, the more, you know, people feel anxiety. So what is anxiety? It's basically this gap between um, the um, imagined or desired outcome and our own recognition of um, ability to deliver those outcomes and manage anything that's in between. And that's where the anxiety comes up. So understanding what's within that gap and what needs to be changed and improved is already a, a great start. Mm, love that. Thank you. Olga, as we bring this into a land, is there anything that you are wanting to share that's maybe burning that I haven't captured that's really on, on your heart or, or a thought that you want to leave people and then let, let us know how people can find out more about you? So first of all, thank you for this amazing conversation. Um, you literally got it all out of me and it was flowing. So thank you so much for that. Um, and uh, what I really want to leave people with is, you know, unlock your power, work on yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. You know, you have all the tools you need and just, just unlock them, work on them, personal growth, you know we will grow as long as we live. And, you know, we need to, especially as leaders, as executives, as people who want to change something and make an impact, we always need to work on ourselves. We always need to learn. It's literally a life learning process. That's that's what I would like to leave with everybody. And um, I think that's pretty much it. And, and how do people find out more about oh, you? Oh, sorry, how do you find more about me? So my website is oktransformation.com. And also on LinkedIn um, under my personal name, Olga Kindler. And so, you know, I'm based out of Dubai, London and Belgrade. I kind of, you know, it's, it's again a trilogy <laughs> with me all the time. Um, and yeah, that, that's it. Lovely. Well, it's been great to have some time with you and uh, look forward to watching your journey unfold. Likewise. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, Olga. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Max Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.